Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Living large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our guest extraordinaire, Sophie Kreutz. And today we'll be talking about the Aristotle Project, mainly about dependability. Before I begin, I mentioned that Dave was out on vacation. He's going to get married soon. But in the topic of dependability, Dave is here right now, still with us. What's up, bro? I had to come through. <laughs> you had to be dependable. Yeah, come through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to say nothing about work-life balance. <laughs> but yeah, where's dependability fit into work-life balance? I imagine there's probably some kind of boundary that I shouldn't cross. But here I am, so... <laughs> I guess the boundary is like, where can you, if you cross the boundary, then you are no longer dependable in both your work and your life, maybe? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I guess if, if you go too far, then you will all fall apart. <laughs> or at least one part will. Yeah, the balance of dependability between work and life is a balance of itself. And today we'll talk about, you know... What are some tips or ways to increase dependability? We will try to define it according to Google's Aristotle project and things we've seen out there that worked for us. Yeah. And how do you know if you are being dependable or not? Like, what does that look like from the outside? And I think there's, there's some things that Google found that maybe are a little bit surprising that I wouldn't have thought correlate. I missed the last episode. What is Project Aristotle? Ah, yes. (laughs) Sure. For those who are jumping in in the middle of the series, the Aristotle Project was conducted in various Google teams and have realized that in order to have a successful team, you would need to have five different attributes across that team. The list going with starting with psychological safety, dependability, that's today, structure and clarity meaning, and impact. Mm. When you have those five things together, that will increase the effectiveness of the team and it increase the effectiveness of the teams at Google. Mm. And okay. we had a discussion on psychological safety and then there's a list of, you know, there's a list of things that actually do not correlate to a effective team. I can go over that list really quick. Co-location of teammates sitting together in the same office, not really that, you know, effective, not relevant. Consensus-driven decision-making, not so much. Extroversion of team members, individual performance of team members, workload size, seniority, team size, and tenure, not really relevant, I guess, in the sense of the effectiveness of a team according to Google. It was the five things I mentioned before. Yeah, that's what their research found at least is that these things that maybe in the common narrative we think will determine the success of a software development team as a matter of fact in this case turns out they're less relevant than these five factors that we're discussing oh wow okay so dependability is a big one so sophie what was the surprising finding with that you had had a good good lead Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. So in their team effectiveness discussion guide, they mentioned that one thing, okay, so signs that your team needs to improve dependability. One is team has poor visibility into project priorities or progress. Interesting. So like, I guess if you're just working on a bunch of random things and you're not tracking it in any meaningful way, like you know, your backlog or 
measuring how close you are to being done on like a large feature epic, then you may be less dependable. I think that's part of it. Yeah. And I guess also if you don't have good like cross team communication, is there a better word for that? Like inter team knowledge or just like elimination of silos or understanding like other people's roles and that kind of thing. I, I think that's what this is getting at maybe a little bit. I think we've mentioned it very briefly, but the idea, I imagine one way to mitigate cross-team or to ensure there is cross-team communication is scrum of scrums where you have like the scrum masters from each team meet and they have their daily stand-up across each other. That way you have everyone has information about everyone else's team at some point in time. Is a way, as a tool that I've seen being used. Scrum of scrums is pretty crazy because it's like, one level above the team that you're currently on to share information and ensure that the projects are going. Can you remind our listeners, Bobby, a little bit about what Scrum of Scrums looks like? Yeah. So it's like, so you have your Scrum with your individual team. You know, if you're working on the checkout page, I guess, if you will, there'll be a daily stand up there. But then that information then gets bubbled like the summary of all those standups go with a, another individual. It could be a team lead or it could be with the scrum master of that team. And they meet with other parts of the organization, other parts of the application. So if you're working in the checkout page, you know, there's probably a team working on the product page. There's teams working on the search page and that kind of stuff. And then the standup update for that gets shared across those teams with those individuals so that, you know, if you're working at the checkout page and you're dependent on something in the product page, then you can hear the standup update of the product page by going into that standup, essentially. And then, Oh, I love that. What a great idea. Any information that is needed gets translated back to the person who attended to then talk to the team to talk about what happened during the Scrum of Scrum, essentially. Oh, okay. So potentially there's still a little bit of a game of telephone, it sounds like, if not everyone is attending Scrum of Scrums. Yeah, I mean, that would be a huge meeting. If you merge teams, and that would do it. But that is one so then way. I guess also the requisite question here is how far does it go, right? Is it scrums all the way down? <laughs> scrum, yeah. a scrum, a scrum, and then you got scrum, a scrum, a scrum, a scrum. Oh, um, oh no. I think. <laughs> I think the very next, I think if you had a, if you had to do a scrum, a scrum, a scrum at that point, I think that you would, one way I've seen information kind of disseminated across an organization, like I guess the organizationally, would be to do your demos and invite everyone. Because then everyone gets a chance to see the stuff that you're working on. Right. So you just have to promise popcorn or something like that <laughs> so that everyone will come. Yeah, electronic <laughs> popcorn these mm, days. Mm-mm. Yeah, but I feel like even if you're applying like a tool like that to broadcast the visibility of your progress, it can still be like kind of a word soup or like not clear about like what exactly the goals or priorities are and like what kind of meaningful progress is happening so i think it's still important to be like really clear and crisp about what the priority is what your goal is and like how you're inching forward because i could totally see right. a scrum of scrums just turning into like a real slog where everyone's just like listing yeah. out every single thing or, you know, it's kind of uh, diffuse, like too much information. 
Right, so not too much detail, but also like kind of clear and concise. So, so you wouldn't give an update that was like, okay, so our team worked on some stuff and we fixed some bugs and it was great. You know, you'd probably want to be. What do you think, Dave? How would you, how would you be concise and yet informative? <laughs> I mean, like you'd have to communicate to the audience that's that's most important or like that's receiving the message. But I think with like this project Aristotle, it sounds like we're really concerned with like the team being the unit. So like if there's like interdependencies between the teams, then hopefully you're getting that kind of information. That's the most essential thing to bring up, right? Like that helps. Yes. Are there dependencies between what your team is working on, what other teams are doing? Are there interdependencies between team members on your own team too, maybe? Right. And I think going and looking at the team itself, you know, in our standup, I would imagine that there are, there might have been a test or something, some scientific, you know, test that had happened to determine how do you know that your team mates are dependable or this dependability is important. And I think it starts at the lowest part of the team itself, of the organization. And it's, to me, the first thing that came to my mind when I read about dependability and like, how do you increase that would be like drafting or having a working agreements meeting. Has anyone ever attended like an official, you sit down, working agreements meeting. I've only done it once and it was really, really interesting. And I always I thought it was pretty cool. I wanted to hear your thoughts. I've definitely done that a bunch. Like I think it's, it's great too, when there's a new person who comes onto the team to like kind of revisit that. And like a lot of things about working agreements are like more mechanical and like, how do we work? When do we work? Things like that. But I think that's a great idea. Like why not build in this commitment to visibility of what our priorities are and how we're we're making progress into it in a working agreement like say hey like we are going to make it a priority and kind of drive towards dependability through that and is that a place too in the working agreements meeting where you can talk about if something does happen how to address it for instance like if dependability does become an issue how do we proactively communicate with each other about that? If there is going to be a delay, you know, how do we bring up that? You know, it could be a little bit of an elephant, right? Like if someone's not doing their work, <laughs> it could feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like retro would be a good place to talk about that too, where if you see someone or like a situation where we're not talking about delays and like no one's taking a specific responsibility for yeah. the task, then that's a good time to be like, hey, like this is a really specific instance where this happened. How do we fix that going forward? Right. How do we examine why this occurred? Because as we mentioned, you know, this is not just like an individual mentality kind of thing. It's a team mentality, right? So if something is going wrong, we want to address it as a team as well. And I think in that regard, it's also important to be super compassionate, especially these days, right? Because there's so much going on in everyone's life. And so it, it seems quite unlikely that if, if there is a delay, if someone 
from the outside seems to be less than 100% dependable in that moment, it's probably not because they just sat down one morning and thought to themselves, you know what I'm going to do today? Nothing. I'm going to knock it off. I, I like the term in these white papers that are linked in the rework document where they're talking about social loafing and shirking. <laughs> free riding. Yeah, free riding. I mean, I think... loading. <laughs> I think that that goes back to having psychological safety amongst your teammates too. Because, you know, say for example, on the working agreement, you have, you know, no one should be late to meetings, right? Like, you know, plastered. And I've, I don't know if, you know, before, back in my day when we were going in the office, we had our working agreements like on the wall. Like everyone was able to see this piece of document. And I was like, okay, that's cool. We have it on the wall. But the idea of like, you know, say one of the items were, you know, no one should be late to meetings. And we find that Bobby has been late to stand up the past couple of days, right? Like you can't just be like, yo, Bobby's out here slacking. Like, yo, what's up? Step it up, Bobby. Stop playing. You know, you would go in and say, hey, what's going on, Bobby? Is everything okay? Like, is there anything you want to discuss? You know, we had the working agreement meeting. You know, the item number three says, you know, don't be late to meetings. And I've noticed the past couple of standups, you haven't been able to make it. What's up? Like everything good? Like versus, yo, why are you late? Like you should be in meetings on time. We all agreed on that one. Or even worse, don't address it. And then when Bobby gets assessed for, you know, when he's maybe going to get a raise or not or, or whatever, then, then that's the point at which he finally finds out, right? We don't want to leave it till... Exactly. So like the psychological safety is needed, I guess, for dependability so that when people falter for whatever reason, because life, as we all agree, happens. Humans are naturally fallible. Yes. You are sympathetic to or empathetic to them and being able to help them, you know, become more dependable. Totally. And what does that help look like? I mean, that sounds kind of like psychological safety, right? Like kind of fostering that bond among the team members like i could say i could say to bobby i could say hey have you heard about these alarm clocks that will run away from you they're on wheels and then they (laughs) will go off and they will they will just start moving around your house it's a real thing that's crazy it's like a it's like a roomba before alarms yes (laughs) put it put it on the roomba (laughs) pretty sure my dog would hate that (laughs) oh no (laughs) no no yeah there was another point in this guide about dependability that i really liked as well that resonated with me this idea that like if you have diffusion of responsibility and there's no clear owner for a problem that comes up or something that needs to get done then that could negatively affect like the output of your team and i feel like there's a lot of things that i've i've seen over the years where it's like Oh, yeah, this build step always fails. It's not my problem. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. 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 It's that herd mentality, right? I am a member of a group. I'm a member of potentially quite a large group. And therefore, why would it fall to me to address this? Right. It's like, oh, there's so many teams who are affected by this. But like, clearly, someone else is going to take ownership of this and carry it forward. Yeah. In that case, the responsibility has diffused so much that it's basically disappeared. (laughs) 
Yeah. And like some companies like Facebook, they actually have a principle that like it's everyone's responsibility to fix everything mm. or like it's your personal responsibility. So if you see something, that's your responsibility. If you see something, fix it. it. But, yeah, if, exactly. but if everyone sees it simultaneously and fixes it simultaneously, you'll have 20 different solutions. <laughs> I mean, guess, I mean, I guess, I guess there's probably like an element of communication or like you know broadcasting. It's like, hey, this is messed up. Like, I found this I, thing. I'm gonna fix it. I'm yeah. the guy. I'm the person who's gonna go in there and and deal with it. I'm the one. I have raised my hand. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's hard for people to do though, if they're already maybe overwhelmed with their workload or something like that? I think so. Yeah. Like there are like priorities that you're trying to complete. So. That's why that responsibility gets diffused in the first place. Because you're like, I can't deal with this right now. I don't. I don't right, and to. and maybe I'm not even supposed to, right? Because I've been told I have other priorities. Right. Yeah. Totally. You got to ship that button. We need that button out there. Don't worry about the CI. But isn't that a case of bystander effect? I had to do a quick Google. I'm not this smart, people. But the idea that like the more people who are around a particular problem, the less likely someone will address that problem. Yeah. Right. So like if you have if 20 engineers saw something, are all 20 actually going to do it? Or is it gonna be like, oh no, eh, Bobby will take care of it. I know Bobby's on that. Don't worry about it. Bobby's like, oh, I think Lucy might take this one, and so on and so forth. So it's then lo and behold, as Dave mentioned earlier, that build pipeline stays 15 minutes because everyone else thinks someone else is going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bystander effect. You could tie this into social issues too, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, like they came for my neighbor and I, you know, I wasn't this kind of person, so I didn't help. And then they came for my other neighbor and I wasn't them, so I didn't help. And then I they came for me and no one helped. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so so every, everyone's just looking at the pipeline until it is you who's been sitting there for 30 minutes because your pipeline build is very, very slow and no one is fixing it. Right. So if you do see a slow pipeline or something that could be worked on, you know, Bring it up on, in retro. Make sure that it gets addressed and we can assign it to someone, as Dave mentioned, having clear roles for someone to pick and do those things. And then that person completing it makes them more dependable in the team at the end of the day. Yeah. One more tool, I guess, in Agile and XP would be the, you know, the iteration planning meeting and the commitment ceremony where, you know, everyone is looking at the amount of work that they've done last week checking their velocity and then this week they're going to choose the amount of stories that they're going to do and then at the very end of that meeting it's like hey is everyone cool we did 17 points last week we're gonna do 17 this one everyone okay and you make that commitment and you complete it and you make sure that you do so that's probably another tool that we have in our toolbox for us to do that right something about articulating that commitment with other people listening, I think probably helps you to accomplish it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there's a whole lot of other dependability tools that exist out there. Well, Pomos, I mean, personally, I find Pomos to be incredibly useful for dependability. Yeah. And for those of us who 
don't want to use that specific lingo, Pomosis for Pomodoros, which is just a timer system, right? So you can do 30 minutes on, five minutes of break, 25 minutes on, or 10 minutes of break, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's just helpful to keep yourself focused in these increments of time and then also force yourself to take breaks as well, which resets your mind and helps you reapproach the problem in like a calm, logical manner. Yeah. And I think with the pomos, definitely builds dependability in that regard because you're dependable in those 25 minutes and then five minutes you can do whatever you want. Then you come back from the 25, yes. you go back to the five or whatever you Although want. Although ideally in that break time, you're doing something that is a bit of a contrast from what you were doing before. So you're going to try and not look at a screen. You're going to go look at the treetops. You're going to go say hello to your pet fish, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Just something that isn't looking at a screen and programming. Yeah. Awesome. And next up, we'll be looking at the structure and clarity aspect of the Aristotle project, which will be very, very interesting looking forward to that. But let's all be dependable out there for our teammates and for ourselves. Get that alarm clock. Yeah. Get that alarm clock. I definitely need it. I think we should put the link in the show notes or something. Yes. Yeah, I think we should. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.